Okay, I think we're, yeah, no, we're live, we're live. Um, Sabaha, everybody, welcome back. Um, I am in Hawaii <laughs> and I had to close this because there's a lot of light and of course a lot of rain going on this weekend. Um, just, you know, for the show, why not? We'll bring some rain over to Hawaii and they're actually expecting snow here for some reason. Uh, but I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great beginning of the weekend. Um, it has been a very busy weekend, a week for me. Uh, I've been covering the Snapdragon uh, Summit. The brand new Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 was announced. The brand new Snapdragon G3X was also announced. And the brand new 8CX Gen 3 was also announced. Three different mobile platforms that Qualcomm is trying to make sure that they're not only in, but they're also leading. So we're going to talk about that and I'll be able to hopefully answer most of your questions. Uh, I will say this, I've already gone through benchmarking and looking at some of the performances that we can expect from the 8 Gen, from the 8 Gen 1. Unfortunately, I won't be able to answer many of the questions in there. Um, we'll actually, we'll see what, depending on the questions. But the, answer, uh, the information on that should be coming out very soon on the channel. So make sure if you have not checked it out, make sure to check that out there. Um, I see there's a lot of people already with us in the chat. I want to say good morning. Sabaho, I hope you're doing well. Regardless of where you are in the world, I'm just hoping you're doing well. Um, also, as a little bit of a side note, uh, this is going to be the last podcast as with the title, The Saturday Morning with Tech. Starting next week, as you guys know already, we're going to be changing it over to the Android Bay. And also, we're going to be changing the house or the home of this podcast over to the Android Bay channel, which is linked in the show notes uh, below if you're on the YouTube channel. If you haven't seen the tweet yet, uh, I would love it if you're able to subscribe there. I'll still be posting uh, you know, information about it on the main channel so people know to kind of know where the, the podcast is going to be. Uh, but it is going to be home to at that channel. And we're trying to get it over 100 uh, followers so that we're able to act actually get the name, the Android Bay. Right now, the, this, the episode, or at least the channel name, still shows uh, more of the code that YouTube assigns to a channel till it reaches 100 subscribers. So I would really appreciate it if you're able to uh, at least show some love for the Android Bay and we can get that off the ground. And uh, you know, it's going to be the home of the podcast, so it's definitely going to be uh, a permanent place where we're going to be able to you know, meet up and talk every Saturday. And actually, that, all, that comes back to it. Uh, we may be able to also move the podcast sometimes depending on when we need it to show up now that it's no longer attached to the Saturday morning. But again, that's going to be the, the going forward uh, approach. Um, I see we have a lot of people hanging out with us already. Greg, good morning. Thank you very much for being the first in, in the chat. Um, I see George Brown. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Dominic Wong. Hey, man, I'm hoping you're having better weather than me. Um, I know a lot of people came from the UK to the tech summit and they were like enjoying the weather. But I think the moment the tech summit ended, yeah, I think Thursday night was like the last part of it. And then Friday, everybody was starting to go. Of course, the rain came and everything just went there. Uh, I am wearing the Snapdragon, hopefully you guys can see it, the Extreme Mobile Computing. This is the ATX. They handed out some of those shirts. I could not find my Dragon Ball shirt. I was hoping to find that, but uh, I'm sure we'll be able to get that there. I see Chemi's in the chat. Um, uh, hey, that is in there. Hey, man. Slabaho. Ahlan wa sahlan. Hope you're doing well. Uh, and I want to say, oh, um, Sarvan's in there. Uh, okay, Dominic Juan in there. <laughs> Again, uh, Manny Acosta's in there. And I think I saw some, uh, hold on, let me see here. Oh, Abdul Aisa. Abdul Aisa. Sabaho. Ahlan wa sahlan. Abdul. Um, Adel, uh, yeah, Adelaisa. Uh, okay, so let's start looking at quick questions here. Hey, TK, uh, the channel is not enabled with Super Chat. Yes, so unfortunately, because we are starting, just for a little bit of a background, you guys remember maybe about a couple of months ago, I was starting to kind of put out a little bit of uh, YouTube shorts where food-related things. It was the channel I started there. Um, unfortunately, that channel, I never was able to kind of consistently work at putting content on that channel. And I ended up basically rebranding it. So 
part of that is the fact that the channel itself needs a little bit more uh, more love and attention so that we're able to get start getting kind of the support that we're able to do on the main channel. Right now we're broadcasting on both uh, both um, Android Bay, my channel, TK Bay, as well as the, the Twitch channel, which is typically what I normally do. Um, and I think at some point I'm going to have to find a, a good medium of how to, um, I guess, support it. And hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do things normally there as we usually do. Uh, let me see here. Okay, da, da, da. Uh, so, yeah, just for reference, I think, where's Dominic? So that was Dominic's question. Uh, as he, Actually, I do like the bubbles. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think of the overlays that we have right there. They look nice. Chemi's in there in the morning. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Uh, Dominic going in. Da, da, da. Let me see here. Hey, uh, George, doing well? Hope you're doing well. Um, okay, so <laughs> Zen Photography said that he canceled his, his, uh, the, the Xperia Pro I order because of the Snapdragon, announce, Snapdragon announcement. So here's the concern, or here's at least some of the challenges that we're looking into. The Snapdragon, where the 8 Gen 1 was just announced, right? So typically what we'll see is more than likely the Xperia 1 Mark IV will be the first one to showcase the new SoC. So if Sony continues with their same um, architecture or the same way we go, we've seen it in the past, we'll get the announcement somewhere in March, the phone will come out in mid-July. So as long as you're able to wait that long for a next-gen version of uh, you know, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 on an Xperia 1 Mark IV, yeah, that would be the Mark IV, then I think that you're perfectly fine. The Pro Series more than likely, even if it does come out earlier, may not actually showcase the new SoC because keep in mind the, the development cycle of a, of a phone takes a little bit longer than when the actual SoC is announced. So we'll have to see how that goes if you want to end up going with, let's say, the XPR Pro 2 or Pro II, since technically we had a Pro I that is not a direct successor to the Pro because that's more of the imaging side. Uh, we'll have to see. But yeah, I'll be interested to see if Sony applies the triple ISP recording capabilities. So not just better image processing or at least uh, better, you know, the 18-bit from 14-bit upgrade, but also the ability of recording all three sensors at the same time. That, that actually could be a very good creative way for creating content, B-roll, and so on. Just having three different perspectives running at the same time on the same phone. So, um, but yeah, if, if you don't feel like the A Pro I is the right way, I think definitely, you know, going the one Mark IV. Um, I would also bench, well, I would probably say that you want to keep in mind that the Pro I, I did get a chance to play around with, um, so the, what's it called, Michael Fisher had a Pro I with the entire kit um, here while we were at the summit, and I had a chance to play around with it a little bit. Um, I tried taking the display from the back of the Pro I to put it on top of the, uh, the Xperia 1 Mark III, or yeah, the 1 Mark III that I have. And unfortunately, the display would not work, even though I had Video Pro um, loaded already on my device. There is actually some, somehow a more of an embedded firmware uh, configuration where it um, notices the display and automatically asks me, do I want to use it? So keep in mind, if those things appeal to you with the Pro I, that's not coming over to the one Mark IV. So we're, we need to kind of see how some of those things that we, uh, you know, we want to get. But I understand, yeah, the 8 Gen 1 definitely showcases some benefits that we don't have with the 888. Um, and my hope is that we're able to get a good experience of it depending on the flavors that we look at. So Sony, Samsung, whatever. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, also, just for reference, if you guys can let me know in the comments, do I sound okay? Because I did not get a chance to uh, test out the sound on this. But at least from Thursday's show with Juan and, um, and Josh, uh, it, I think it sounded okay. But, you know, I would be happy if you guys can show me or let me know. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> Haidar um, uh, was saying basically, you know, uh, you, you look really good and the show's going well. So I'm, you know, obviously making sure everybody's happy. 
Um, okay, so Sarvan had a quick question here. So, Sabaha TK, um, share your thoughts on the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Uh, is this an M1 uh, kind of a, a big bump for the Snapdragon? Honestly, this is going to be, from what we've heard so far, it is an improvement over the 888. Absolutely. Um, one thing they also kind of keep it as a side note, this is obviously a, a, an incremental upgrade. This is going to be something for people that are already running on the 865 or maybe something earlier than the 850. I don't think this is intended for, the, for most people using the 888 because again, that SOC just literally came out about a year ago. Some of the improvements in the photography or at least in some of the modem configurations that we're looking in here are obviously going to be big benefit or well, big benefits to creators because for me, one thing is, especially with millimeter wave and fast connectivity with the X65 that they're going to be built in here, is the ability of having, sorry, faster upload speeds and that's built in natively to the modem as opposed to just fast download, which is great for content consumption. I don't, this, I don't disagree with it, but the big part of what we're doing right now as I'm sharing with you guys and I'm, I'm streaming to you, we're uploading, we're not downloading. And that number typically is much slower and much smaller for most of us. On the go, not a big issue. For creators, it could be a big issue to keep a or maintain a good stream going on. So for me, those improvements, as well as the ISP configurations that we saw in there, uh, and I'm specifically talking to the triple ISP at 18-bit with triple recording streams at the same time. There were other features that they announced that I feel like um, to a certain point, like we've had versions of them before, right? Like the motion blur functionality. I think we've seen um, even it's software enabled on certain applications or editing software. You could be able to actually generate some of the images like that. Uh, the ability of shooting ultra wide, obviously most of us can uh, with a camera adapter. Some of those things I feel like they're more focusing on bringing these features to the masses, meaning to more companies that typically don't have these features in them. But the flagships or the higher end models, we've had these features for some time. Uh, the other thing is also video bokeh. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Huawei has been doing that for years. Honor has been using it as well. Um, Honor and, bokeh and, and Huawei have also done, uh, I think, this feature where it enables to um, black, not only bokeh the video itself, but also uh, video, uh, sorry, what's it called? Allow the subject to be colored and everything behind us become basically blurred and uh, basically a vignette, it's like a black and white. And that's something that we've seen in the past. But again, now it's natively built into the Snapdragon ecosystem with the HN1. So, I'm excited to see what they offer. I want to see how it applies to devices because the phones that we've got a chance to play around with were reference devices. The concern there is that these are not true representation of how these devices are going to work in the real world. So even when I do end up sharing with you guys the content as far as the benchmarking and so on, we want to keep that in mind. I was benchmarking or I was doing my tests on a reference device, not on a production device, meaning it's not a phone from Samsung, right? Or Xiaomi or something, whomever decides to announce their first device first. So at the end of the day, those are the things we want to keep in mind. And all the features that they showed us are basically the entire list or the gamut of functions that they offer on this, uh, on this new system, obviously after going to four nanometers from five. Um, but it, it's going to end up becoming maybe uh, something where the OEMs, what they do, they, what do we, well, what will they use and what will they not use and what would they enable and not de enable? So those are some of the functionalities. One of the other things is as far as security, if you know, probably heard it or even heard it from somebody, Essentially, they're talking about also uh, an always-on or somewhere like a security feature on the front-facing camera to allow, allow you to know if somebody's snooping over your shoulder or somebody looking over your content. And those are some of the things that you can also you know, benefit from, but how many companies or how many OEMs are going to turn that on? So I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do at, at its core, at its basically just based information and everything that we saw. It looks amazing. Um, unfortunately, Qualcomm did not give us one device that had everything turned on. We had units specifically designed to work and showcase certain features. So if I wanted to check out the bokeh, the video bokeh was one phone. If I wanted to check out the, um, 
on-device, better AI um, audio recognition, and better uh, search functionalities. That was also separately done on a different device, as well as you know the Snapdragon sound and all of that other stuff. So we'll have to see. Sorry, I, it was a little bit of a long answer, but there was a lot to talk about. Uh, but speaking of Snapdragon sound, that was the other big part that I was really happy to see. A focus from Qualcomm on Snapdragon on audio. And this is typically the one, one subject or uh, that typically most OEMs do just don't talk about. They skip because audio for them is essentially just uh, a process that's built into the SOC, but never something that they wanted to showcase. This year, we saw in the beginning of 2021 Snapdragon Sound announcement. We saw that the uh, Insider phone was one of the first devices to support it, as well as the Xiaomi Mi 11 Ultra. That was another phone that had that as well. And now we're going to notice that the G3X, the 8CX, and the 8 Gen 1 are all dedicated to have Snapdragon Sound built in. Again, depending on the OEM, we may get some features and we may not. One of the ones I really was excited to see was lossless audio at CD quality. So that's 16-bit with 44 kilohertz with lossless capabilities over Bluetooth, and that's traditional Bluetooth. Um, Audio has always been a big thing, as you guys know. Juan Carlos and myself always, uh, you know, are proponents of better audio and basically taking care of your ears, you know, enjoying the music that you want to listen to, but not having to blast it to the point where you have to just to get some experience or good experience out of it. So my hope is that, again, 2022, we'll start seeing new generation of buds. And I'm not talking specifically just the Liberties. Like, the Liberties 3 Pros are still one of my favorites, and I, th I still think they perform much better than some of the other options on the market. Um, again, 32-bit at 96 kilohertz, it's crazy good on these options. Uh, but again, having it, having it natively built into the SoC makes it so that we can have more functional options from devices when we get them later on in the year. If you're picking up a new 8, it's a Snapdragon Gen 8, or Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, uh, Gen 1. Now, Qualcomm didn't talk anything about the 7, uh, I guess I'm assuming it's going to be, so if the first one is Gen 8, uh, sorry, Snapdragon 8, so the 7 will be Snapdragon 7, and then there's the 6 series, the 4 series, all of the different ones more than likely will be following the same architecture. And I think that's the biggest thing we want to be able to kind of follow. How will they do on those ecosystems, the one that sell the most? Samsung sells more mid-rangers with an A-series uh, you know, device, and that, those are typically running the mid-range processors uh, than their flagships. So again, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that from Qualcomm. That, again, the conversation started around the 8. It needs to continue. And I'm pretty sure I'm like 6,000 messages <laughs> behind. So let's see here. Let me go here real quick. Thank you for the question, by the way, Saravan. I, I really, that was a good kickoff for, for, the, for the conversation there. Um, yeah, so uh, hopefully, yeah, definitely. So Zen, Zen for that, we're looking forward to your uh, inform, informative input from this announcement. There's a lot of things to, un, to unravel, and I feel like even, even the podcast could maybe not be enough time for us to kind of cover every piece. I will say this, though. The benchmarking session video that's going to be coming out hopefully soon, um, there's a little bit of insight there that I feel like you guys would enjoy. There, unfortunately, I'm, I'm under embargo, and I cannot speak to that information, but I can say that... Um, some of the things that we've talked about in the past, I definitely have, I should be able to answer some of those questions that we've talked about and some of the things we were looking forward to uh, finding out about the new SOC. So that's going to be exciting and make sure you guys, um, actually next Saturday's show will more than likely have that as the main subject, but I'm hoping to have that video out before then. Uh, let me see here. <laughs> Manny, Manny Acosta's in there. Uh, Marilyn, hey, Marilyn, hope you're doing well. Haven't seen you, haven't seen you for a couple of weeks now. Uh, and thank you for subscribing to the new channel. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, uh, my biggest goal right now on that channel literally is to cross 100 subscribers purely so that I can get the, uh, the channel title, uh, you know, address to be literally just at youtube.com forward slash the Android Bay. Um, it's not taken. Um, and I think the closest one that I saw was the Android Day, but we'll see. So we'll go with B over D. 
and I just, yeah, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to keep working around. George, um, the Xperia 1 Mark IV with Gen 1, please Sony, absolutely. And I think that's really the, the, the right approach. The way though, if we've, if we've heard, or sorry, if we just follow what Sony keeps doing every year, I feel like we're not going to see this till at least June, July-ish of the summer of next year, of 2022. But the announcement is going to be done somewhere around March, April, or so on. And I think that's typical to what we see normally. It's going to happen. Um, we know it's going to happen. We want to see some of the improvements. I want to see some of the Pro-I functionalities brought over to the One Mark IV. But again, since it's so early now, it's like literally it's hard for us to even tell. Um, I am waiting for Android 12 to come out on the Xperia One Mark III, and I've, I've really been able. To, I've been really enjoying the One Mark III, especially with the four camera options on it um, here in Hawaii and so on. So it's definitely very nice to have that much power on your device. I just wanted that display from the Pro I to work on it, and no, yeah, yeah, there was no luck there. I tried, but I still have one on pre-order, so we'll have to see. Um, Laverne, good morning. Hey man, hope you're doing well. Oops, sorry, here you go. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Um, Jimmy Fire Dragon. Um, oh yeah, okay, yeah. So <laughs> they're talking about some of the weather going on. Yeah, no, guys, uh, Hawaii is expecting 12 inches of snow at the top, not, not at the base where I am. Uh, but yeah, definitely going to be something where <laughs> it, it's very funny. Like, yeah, saying Hawaiian snow, I don't know if that's a conversation we've ever had. Um, I'm hoping, hopefully we'll be able to do it as well. Oh, Gary the Fireman, good morning. Hope you're doing well, Gary. Hope you're doing great. Uh, I see here, okay, so, okay. Um, Saran uh, is actually, can Android OEM really make use of the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, um, it, that what it's capable of? The reality is yes. Again, the way I've seen it in the past, Qualcomm approach to SOCs is very much a customizable experience, but not customizable like the way MediaTek does it, right? So they don't generate a new version of the SOC and then just, they have a, a moniker put next to it to specify like the Dimensity 1200 AI for, for OnePlus on the Nord 2 or even the Vivo one. Um, Qualcomm does it in a sense of the, look, this is, our op, this is our list of features, this is all of the capabilities this specific SOC can do, what would you like and what would you like to be able to get. That basically get dictated by what features they want to include, what features they don't want to include. Like I said, the triple ISP, that's going to be more of a native functionality, but the capability of turning it on to record three videos at the same time, that may be something that a company doesn't go with. It's a great feature to add. I, I think it's an opportunity for them to showcase the power. But the example would also be like, if you've ever gotten a phone, let's say from India, from Europe, or even from the US, and you notice that when you use it in another market, it doesn't work the exact same way, right? Um, we know that the Snapdragon 888 had the capabilities with the X60 modem that they have uh, to have an unlocked band uh, capability, meaning they can connect to 5G, 4G, and ultra, uh, millimeter wave across the world. And that was what the Insider phone was able to do that no other phone can do in 2021. And that's because of the way the OEMs approach it. They don't want to provide you a phone that works everywhere. They typically provide a phone that works in your market. So it's a targeted market so that you don't go and buy a phone from a different market that may have different features and bring it over. There's very much a big approach to marketing or market targeting uh, with, uh, with companies. Uh, same thing with Qualcomm, uh, you know, they do the exact same thing. They feed, they feed that experience to the OEMs and they allow the OEMs to provide us the best experience. Um, Samsung does it to everybody. If you guys remember, Exynos exists outside of the U.S. We have Qualcomm chipsets in the in the U.S. Um, we also have something called GoodLock on Samsung devices that only exist in the U.S. and Europe, but then the Middle East and Asia can't download this app because it doesn't support their devices. 
Again, those are things that we typically get and even if you buy an unlocked smartphone from Samsung, you're still region locked to where you bought that from, uh, the phone from. So if I buy an unlocked US phone, I'm not gonna get the same experience if I go over to Asia or if I go over to Europe, vice versa if I bring something in from another place. So we're gonna have to see what they do. I hope, my hope is that it's going to be a better experience, but we know and we've seen it before that it's gonna be a tailored experience based on the OEM that you're working with. Uh, but this is definitely the flagship. Keep in mind, this is the best of the best that Qualcomm has to offer, and that's what they're kicking it off with. So we're still going to be hearing more later on about their mid-rangers, their budget, their entry-level uh, SOCs. And if you notice, they dropped the, the 5G function now. They're no longer talking 5G because they brought 5G across many of their lines. So now it's more of an implied that it is 5G enabled, and we're no longer trying to just sell a phone based on the fact that it has the word 5G on it. So we'll see. I love that. I love, I love that question. Thank you very much. Uh, let me see here. Uh, hey, Matt Tyler is in there. Okay, good morning, Matt. I mean, good afternoon, Matt. Hope you're doing well. Uh, sorry I wasn't able to jump in on any of the games this week. This week has been kind of crazy, and I'm also not running with my gaming system, so even if I did join, it would have been a miserable game because I would be running it on, a, on, on, a, uh, on my PC. Basically, this is my production PC, so not very good on, on specs there. I appreciate it, Dan. Ooh, dude, Dan is in the chat as well. Ground the tech, everybody say hi. Uh, so Dan's hanging out with us as well. Uh, let me see here. Okay, so I'd like to saying is, do you think, uh, sorry, what do you think? What Snapdragon will bring, uh, or what company will bring implement these capabilities? Okay, so this is kind of a little bit more of like what we saw before. Um, honestly, I'll say this. I think Samsung more than likely, if they stick with the Qualcomm SOC, and I say if, there was that conversation that we had on Thursday with Juan and Josh, if you remember, during the announcement, or the initial announcement of, of Qualcomm, of the Qualcomm announcement that was pushed out for the announcement of the 8 Gen 1, Samsung was absent from the list of companies saying that you were, they would be supporting it. Now, I was able to, we heard that there was other discussions going on as to why Samsung was not part of the list, and Qualcomm basically said, no, no, we're still working with them. It's not that it's not there. But it brings a little bit of question as to, is it possibly the year where Samsung decides to take Exynos to the next level? If you remember, at least in the US market for us, we typically don't get Exynos SOCs, but there was one year where, Qualcomm, where Samsung decided to bring the Exynos chipset to a note, and that was the one year that we got to experience it. But ever since then, we've been back to Qualcomm, and they've been sticking with Qualcomm for quite some time. This year, we saw Tensor. So Tensor is a collaboration between Google and Samsung, and that was the ex experience that we got there. Now, we still are expecting a new Exynos version, and the biggest thing there is that would that possibly be the year where Samsung decides to you know, separate themselves and say, look, we're going to go Exynos on everything we release and it's going to be the experience we're going to go. Qualcomm is rumored to also be, not Qualcomm, Oppo is also rumored to come up with their own SOC. And if that starts happening, we're going to start seeing a custom um, silicon made by every company that makes a phone. There's a couple of things there. It's great for innovation because we're going to get more competition. But at the end of the day, we're going to get, uh, you know, uh, basically the same issue we had with Android to start with. It's the fact that it's delineated over so many systems that it's hard for developers to support. Even though it's the same operating system, um, it's not easy for them to support multiple devices with different configuration, different display resolutions, different camera setup, different SOC, clock speed, a whole bunch of different things being there. And now if you have OEMs creating their own SOCs for every single company, you're going to start seeing some different experiences and you're going to start needing to kind of basically maybe even more, uh, you know, either not saying married, but, you know, dedicated to one brand. So we'll have to see. Tensor definitely has a lot of promise. I'm, it's not a perfect ecosystem, but it offers us everything that we want from Google. Exynos has always been focused on, on Samsung, 
But again, for us in the U.S., we haven't really had a lot of experience with them. And the last couple of years of concerns with people, in, you know, using Exynos SOCs have kind of showcased that you know Exynos is not ready to game. It, it used to be that that was the case, but we're not there yet. So, and I also want to see what what would Oppo do, and how what what architecture would they basically go off of? I'm assuming they're going to go with the Cortex X2 if they're going to come up with something if they stick with ARM. Uh, but how do they configure it? How do they change it? How does it become you know Oppo as opposed to just something rebranded? So we'll have to see. Also, to, to, to my understanding, I think Oppo's innovation has been greatly done on the on the hardware, on the configurations, the design, the, and bringing in new tech. Uh, but they haven't really focused as much on uh, SOC development. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yes. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> Let me see. It sounds fine. Thank you very much. I am very, okay, 8.44 and it is 9. Okay, I am 16 minutes late on the questions. Okay, let's see if we can skip through. Uh, slightly off topic, uh, what happened to the Qualcomm 3D Sonic Max Ultrasonic fingerprint, fingerprint Reader? So the announcement was there, and it, they did say that it does support it, the 8 Gen 1, but we didn't see any demos or any units avail, uh, equipped with it. Um, all the demo units that we had w did have the fingerprint sensor built in, but it was all disabled uh, at a software level. And the only thing I can think of essentially is it just wasn't ready to show us, and they didn't want to showcase something that wasn't ready. Two years ago in 2019, um, we saw the, a demo of the, uh, the new uh, fingerprint sensor, and then we saw that Samsung pushed it out two years later on their S21 um, Ultra. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that kind of, if that if that comes up, and um, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But thank you, Sir Bivius. Uh, Chemi, hold on, let me see here. Uh, having video de uh, <laughs> degree directly in SOC, uh, yeah. Oh, Leica algorithm, absolutely. The, the, their new partnership with Leica, the partnership with Sony. Uh, they're still obviously working with Google. Google was on the stage as well. There was a lot of. Um, it, it, it's a very. It's a very different approach. I think what Qualcomm looks at it is this. Google's, Google's venture into their own SoC is really only for pixels, right? We're not looking at an SoC that's going to be coming up on any other device other than a Google-owned pixel device. So at the end of the day, Qualcomm is pretty much still married to the relationship of Android across a lot of OEMs, a lot of devices, and everything on the market. So it is something to keep in mind that the fact that Google is trying to focus more on AI and focusing on all their services and I think that's something that you would expect from Google to do at this stage. After so many generations of Pixel, they need to start being able to control the entire story from start to end the same way Apple does. Samsung did that a little bit at some, at some point, and of course we've seen some successes at the beginning with uh, Exynos. And now at least we're seeing that Qualcomm is not forgetting the fact that they're literally still working with so many more, con more OEMs and more companies. Their uh, relationship with Verizon for millimeter wave support as well as AT&T is definitely very strong. Uh, both companies had some representation at the, uh, at the summit. So we're not missing a lot, but it's the biggest thing that we want to see essentially is improvements. We want to see competition. We want to be able to push the limits, but also make sure that we're not forgetting about power draw, power management, and of course, overall architecture and benefit for the, for the user. You know, we are getting to the point where I think we've surpassed the power requirements, or let's say, you know, clock speed requirements for most of our devices. Um, if you notice, they're all hovering around the three gigahertz, but we're changing architecture. So smaller nanometers, more dense, and of course, the ability to be able to use less power. Those are going to be some of the things we see. But yeah, uh, let me see here. <laughs> hope, uh, I hope the Realme GT2 uh, uses the Gen Y design. 
So this is an interesting one um, from the Nexus 6P. So Realme is, so I'll be interested to see that. Okay, so Realme had, has been releasing a few devices right now, showcasing some of the brand new flagship SOCs, right? Like the Realme GT definitely was an 888, very budget friendly price, came later in the year when the 888 Plus was coming out. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see if Realme and like, uh, not Realme, but like Realme, Redmi and some of the other, not necessarily like, you know, Xiaomi and Oppo kind of experiences are, would start using these SOCs um, at the beginning part or do they end up doing what they typically do is when the price of the SOC drops a little bit, becomes more cost effective so that it can keep their prices a little bit lower. Remember, Realme is not, uh, Realme and uh, like other sub brands are typically more known uh, to be more price and cost effective. You know, like Poco, I would love to see this on a Poco for sure, like one of their best Pocos to come out. So it, it's going to be something that we'll, we'll see how 2022 kind of, um, kind of pushes us with that one. Um, Athana says, that, hey, Kike, um, do you think Honor is going to, be, uh, to, to give the same experience like Huawei in, the, uh, in its best years as software points? Right now, Honor is still figuring out what they're doing. Mind you, Honor was on that list of devices that are going to be supporting the HN1. So we are going to see some of those devices powered by that. When it comes down to software support, as time goes on, it's going to need to be part of their biggest focus. I think that's the biggest thing. Being that they're separating themselves, they're being more, I guess, with GMS again. Um, the Honor 50, I think, was a great uh, showcase. They're coming up with more devices, as, as we're going to see. Is it going to get up to the point where it becomes to that same level? I don't think they're trying to compete with Huawei in that sense. They just need to be consistent in their update software uh, you know, uh, methodology or approach. I think that's what I might, my hope is. I'll make sure that the next time I have a chance to talk to one of the honor representatives, that I'll make sure to convey that message and make sure that they understand that software support is as important as releasing devices because people live with a phone after its announcement and launch. They don't necessarily go back and change a phone every time they want an update to a phone. So we'll have to see how that, that kind of goes and we'll, we'll go from there. Stavan says, for we are expecting better battery life and zero idle drain, uh, which is a concern for Google services and Android. So again, uh, keep in mind that it's going to depend on what we see from different devices or different manufacturers. But yes, it is intended to be more powerful, less power draw, but it's not less in the aspect of um, where it was in the 888. Keep in mind, it's less power draw, it's more about the architecture and everything running. And I don't think they're going to be able to control how services are running in the background, specifically for Google, since we're able to manage some of those functionalities. So we need to keep in mind how that gets applied by the OEM and what do they end up using. The four nanometer architecture is definitely beneficial, but I think the biggest bump would have been for us to go from five to three, not five to four. Because for them, again, they went from seven to five to four. I think the three would have been the biggest jump, if you notice like how they, the naming convention they went in. But I think at the end of the day, we, we just need to see it in more devices and see how they approach. Uh, last year's, I think with the 888, we saw OnePlus uh, being a little bit more, uh, not necessarily forthcoming, but essentially they weren't sharing specifically why, what exactly was causing certain applications to run on the more power efficient cores, as opposed to running them on, let's say the prime core, uh, you know, of the X1 series. So we're gonna have to see the, the approach First devices I'm expecting, honestly, I'm, I'm, I cannot, I'm surprised we haven't heard official announcement that Xiaomi is releasing the next phone already. Um, they did have a, a little presentation from the Xiaomi CEO on, at, the, at the tech summit, but they, didn't do, they did not do what they did two years ago where they said, we're gonna be releasing the first uh, you know, ex, uh, you know, insert device here. I think it was a Mi 10 uh, right away. And they released the Mi 10 at the beginning of the next year of 2020. The Mi 11 was launched at the end of 2020, uh, at the end of 2020, before even the next year started, um, but it was released in China at the time. So I'm expecting something like that. I mean, we're still, what, December 4th? You know, 25 days left to go. A lot of things can happen there. 
Uh, okay, let me see here. I think I'm going to... Hello, everybody. Uh, Finn is in there. Finn Jacobs in there. How you doing, man? Uh, TK was watching the stream from my, uh, from my smartwatch, <laughs> but sadly, I couldn't comment. Dude, see? This is how you do it. You can watch the stream on your smartwatch because that's how we do it now. Um, how, do, how does it compare to the Snapdragon 888? Okay, so, um, Justice, I, can, I can't answer that question yet. Um, I, I have done some tests on it, and I have some answers for that I'll be able to hopefully share with you guys very soon. So look forward to, for that video early next week. And when I say next week, within the next couple of days, obviously, it's Saturday. Uh, but there's going to be conversations going on around the benefits of what does this, how does this compare to the 888. I'm sure everybody wants to know how this compares to the A15 and some of the other devices on the market. Uh, but at the end of the day, you want to keep in mind the reference information and everything that everybody's going to be sharing, regardless of the media and the outlet that you're looking at, are all based on a reference device. This is a device that Qualcomm put together to showcase all of their benefits. It wasn't a device that was put together by an OEM. So this is not Samsung's version, not Oppo's version, not you know, Sony's version or so on. So make sure you keep that as a, a way to understand the flavor of the conversation that was going on and where it's coming from. But we should be able to talk about that very soon. But yeah, for sure. Oh my God, Sam is in the chat. Hey man, Sam, hope you're doing well. I'm hoping you're having a great, great weekend. Uh, maybe some good zucchini bread. I don't know. Let me know. I <laughs> would love to know. Um, Serbifius is jumping back with uh, the Gen 1 uh, absolutely has to improve and uh, on sustained performance. The throttling and the thermal of the 888 and the 888 Plus are uh, reminiscent of the Snapdragon 810. So that was the biggest problem we had with the Snapdragon 810. It was released. It was known to have a lot of heat. In Qualcomm, in, in their defense, they tried to fix it with the next generation. But for the devices that were sold with the 810, everybody lived with that issue. The Snapdragon 888 has had a very, I'll say this, I think the Snapdragon 888 had, a, 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 was not, was not, I guess, uh, I guess, form, not formatted, but it wasn't really handled correctly by the OEMs. And it's not because the OEMs were not doing their job, it's because I think they anticipated initially as something more of the architecture and the performance of the 865 with some improvements. And the devices that we were seeing in the market, with the exception of gaming phones or like the Red Magic phones with built-in fans and so on, were so focused on form factor and design over functionality and adding better heat dissipation and heat management. I think what we've seen with some devices later in 2021 is that the devices started to get a little bit better as far as cooling, but again, that's much later than when the conversation on the 888, I'm not saying it's dead or anything, but I'm saying is most people are starting to look at the next thing, right? So the 8 Gen 1 of this situation. Um, I think what we see with the next generation is obviously going to be very much focused around the same conversation. Is it continuing the same story? Did Qualcomm improve some of this? And how does the actual OEM tailor with that? That's going to come up with time because we don't have new devices. Uh, at this point, I haven't heard anything. And if I missed it, please let me know. Uh, any announcement officially saying when a device is being released. And once we start getting that, my hope is I'll be able to start reaching out and seeing maybe if I'm able to get, well, able to get my hands on some of those devices to kind of see what we're going with. But I like what you're saying, right? So Bifis, I think you're on the point right there. Uh, let me do da, da, da. <laughs> I like that one. He's back with the Sony Xperia uh, 1 Mark IV improves on some areas. Selfie camera, under display fingerprint sensor, faster charging. Um, if I, uh, uh, it would make it much more of a well-rounded device. So um, I'll say this. The selfie camera, and I'm saying this with a smile only because I think at this point, if Sony doesn't, under, doesn't know that their front-facing camera is just not the right camera, it's not the right experience, I think it's because it's by design. I think it's more so because they're really focused on the device from the back as far as the cameras that we get from there. 
right? Uh, that The Pro-I is a perfect example why that is the case because they created a specific accessory to let you use the big sensor on the back as opposed to using the front-facing camera and that tells you where Sony's approach is. So unfortunately on that one I probably would say probably not, but um, basically, uh, you know, under display fingerprint sensor, we'll have to see. I don't know uh, realistically if they're able to do that with a 4K panel that they're trying to shoot with. Because keep in mind, we're up to 4K 120 right now. So I'm, I want to say I don't mind having the fingerprint sensor on the side because most of the controls are on that same area of the phone, right? We have the camera button. The Pro I has the video camera, uh, the video button next to it. Um, and of course, the One Mark III has the, AI, uh, the uh, Google Assistant button. And then you have the volume rocker and the power button and the fingerprint sensor. It's really designed to make you hold the phone sideways. So we'll have to see. I, I hope that we'll have certain options and we'll see. The Xperia 5 Mark, Mark III is still not available in the US and we're literally almost at the end of the year. So I'm not sure if this is something meaning that we're gonna basically just skip that for, year, for the US this year, but we'll see. Uh, please don't, don't give the Xperia an under display fingerprint sender reader, I will cry. Yeah, so I think Dan, Dan's with me on that one. I feel like for Sony devices, I feel like the side-mounted fingerprint sensor is a much better solution. Also, the reason behind that is, is because when you're holding the phone, obviously when you want to unlock the phone, finger lands in certain spot. Thumb lands around that area and the index finger goes straight to right there. Since we don't have fingerprint sensors on the back anymore, I feel like the side is better because otherwise I have to kind of hold it and just kind of keep doing it myself. So at the end of the day, for Sony, I feel like they need to stick to what works and I'm hoping they, they do that and keep going with it. Uh, oh, God, let me see. Okay, so I am very back. Okay, so it's 9.50. Okay, you know what? We're running about five minutes. Okay, I definitely respect your opinion. Uh, yeah, uh, captive, captive, capacitive uh, fingerprint sensors will definitely be one of the functions. I think he's answering that. Um, okay, so Adelaisa uh, is actually, um, can I ask why companies don't use, uh, don't use past a year or two, basically, flagship, ship, uh, flagship ships, ah, flagship ships, you know what I mean. Um, um, for, for their mid-range uh, devices like the Snapdragon 865, 888, and the next generation. So typically what happens is, I think it's a, it, think of it like a run, right? So what they do is they produce content, they produce devices with a specific SOC, they buy a certain number of chips and they produce them. When the year, when the following year goes on, Qualcomm is no longer producing the 865. So had they not bought a massive lot before and planned it, which I think to your, to your recommendation is a, is a very good uh, option. Releasing an 865 in 2021 or 2022 as a mid-range processor is an absolute beast because that is still more powerful than whatever 7 series or mid-series insert SOC that you're talking about are going to offer um, with obviously just maybe some features not available, but that's expected again at the mid-range processor. The 865, I think that's the furthest I would go, mostly because of the 5G uh, connectivity. The 855 had a 5G capability, but it was limited to like one device in, in that year. And I think that was the, um, if I'm not mistaken, the, the um, it was the OnePlus uh, McLaren edition uh, 5G on T-Mobile. So that was the only one that had the X55 modem or X50 modem. Uh, and then the other one was Sprint. But again, as you know, Sprint is part of the company now. So at the end of the day, I think that would be beneficial. I still recommend anybody looking to buy a phone in 2020 or even the current year, look at the last year's flagship. You are not missing out on 90% of the features. You're still gonna be getting updates. You're still getting some great camera experiences and you're saving yourself some dollars. It's just, again, finding them and finding them new is gonna be the, the challenge. But then when you do find them, even if they're used in good condition, you're definitely not gonna be disappointed. I, I really think this would be an amazing marketing uh, process for them to showcase the horsepower and the benefits, especially as a Qualcomm, as a company, with what the 888 and what the 865 have been able to do. And if you keep in mind, just more of a reference, 
Um, they kind of did it a little bit uh, by doing the 870 this year. So in 2021, we saw the 870 as an SOC that was available for, I would say more like not mid-ranger, but like mid to top tier mid-rangers uh, to flagship experience kind of a little bit. Um, and Poco did that as well. So they used that in there. And I think if I'm not thinking uh, like Black Shark from Xiaomi did that as well, used the 870. And that's the Snapdragon 865 Plus in the same year as the eight, uh, basically up uh, slightly overclocked uh, and made obviously new with the 870 uh, moniker, the new, the new product number. So they've kind of done it, but in a sense, they still kind of changed it enough so that it's not exactly the same. My hope is that, I, I know, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not arguing. It's more about understanding and going with that from there. Um, I've still prefaced the face unlock on my Pixel 4 XL. <laughs> oh, yeah, Soli is, Soli, look, uh, when they, when, what they did with the, with the Pixel 4 XL was absolutely the best. Um, I mean, with the exception, obviously, with the missing fingerprint sensor, I feel like this Project Soli was doing a great job of providing us the experience that we wanted. And I think that was partially why I, I had a hard time to kind of taking my SIM card out of that phone. I felt so comfortable with it, the better refresh rate, the larger display, everything was basically done at the right level and I felt like that's the experience we wanted to do. Um, what we see now with the, with the uh, Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, obviously it's a slightly different approach, but again, it's a good direction. It's a new direction for Google to move forward for it with and it just makes me even more excited to see what the Gen 2 version of Tensor is gonna look like. Uh, it's not perfect, it's going to get better, software will start supporting it, um, and I think that's just literally a matter of time. But if you if you have a Pixel like six or six Pro, try using uh, you know Instagram and try to create uh, reels with it, or try to use Snapchat. The optimizations are built in now, and it's really functional to see that, as opposed to going to some other companies where even you know even though we have the greatest camera, you still have to shoot your content with the main camera app and then import it into Instagram because Instagram doesn't take full advantage of the camera, or it's not able to use all of the lenses. So I, I understand. I'm I'm with you, Dan. I'm with you there for sure. Um, so Galvin, um, so uh, Golan, Golan Lobby is asking, is, is it supposed to, uh, uh, sorry, affect the quality of the photography? Absolutely. It's not just the, the ability, it's the processing power and the throughput processing power that we're getting with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 is where the benefit comes in. The ability of shooting higher dynamic range uh, content, the high HDR content for uh, at 8K is one of their biggest things that they were shooting for there is, think of it this way, if you're able to take that much stunning video at 8K, if your device supports it, um, that's the main benefit you're getting. You're getting better processing at the, uh, at the SOC level. It doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna render, uh, I mean, sorry, the rendering process is still going to be faster. I'm talking about basically the post-processing, the AI algorithm and so on. That's going to be depending on the, uh, on the companies that you're going to use with. Uh, and it depends if it's using a Sony lens, if it's going to something else. Leica's, uh, Leica's relationship with them is going to help them hopefully better improve processing. And I think that's where also Sony's approach is going to be. You know, where Qualcomm and MediaTek are known for their SOCs, Sony is known for their cameras. And 90% of our cameras, uh, sorry, 90% of our smartphones are showcasing Sony or IMX, some type of an IMX sensor. And that's the reality. Sony is the standard. Um, even though they may not sell as many phones as the other players, they're definitely part of the conversation of almost every player on the market. The same way Qualcomm and MediaTek is trying to be. So it's a great way for them to kind of work together and showcase some of that or lever leverage some of those uh, benefits there. So Biffius is in there. Um, I meant the fingerprint sensor Qualcomm announced uh, with a double fingerprint support. Oh, sorry. Uh, remember when it was announced, uh, but nothing since. I think it's just been something that I think, it, I don't know if it's a functional thing, uh, but it's gonna be something that we're gonna have to see if it ever actually does materialize. Again, even with this year, they showed support for it, but it wasn't actually uh, showcased. 
we didn't have any demonstrations of fingerprint sensors. So I'll have to reach out back to Qualcomm and see if there's any information on that. And hopefully, if I get an answer, I'll get back with you guys hopefully next week. Okay. Oh, Andrew's in the chat. Good morning. Reading point, <laughs> readings, uh, reading point. Um, I will say having having a more powerful mobile hardware is even more exciting for game emulators. Ah, that's the app next there. The G3X for me. Um, I'd love to see titles from the 90s and, th and thousands of emulated on, on mobile with more powerful hardware. So I think this is a perfect segue to start talking about the eight, uh, the Snapdragon 8, not Snapdragon 8, the Snapdragon G3X. What we saw with this announcement on this is not, not something, so I'll say this, we don't have hardware actually available for us to be able to start using the, uh, the G3X. The G3X is going to be available at some point in next year. Right now, the hardware that we got a chance to play with is a reference device or dev kit going on to developers as well as publishers. Um, the emulation part is the biggest thing. And I actually did ask the question. I said, well, you know, what are some of the capabilities? They didn't have a specific answer. I think or I don't think we, I was able to talk to the engineers behind it directly. I was talking more to the PR side. But I think the biggest approach that we have in here that we need to be excited for is having a dedicated gaming console, like a la Switch experience kind of a thing, right? But more specifically dedicated to Android games and emulation, those are going to be the best benefits. The, uh, the G3X main benefit here is it's a powerful, it's, a, it's very much a powerful chipset and architecture. 5G, millimeter wave, 1080p, 140, uh, 120, I think on this model, they can definitely go higher depending on the system that they want but it was better cooled, it was better managed, so it's intended to be pushed a little bit more and emulators can definitely run on it much, much better. Um, it supports SD cards, a headphone jack, and it has so much more options for us to be able to enjoy content on it because you can also watch movies on it. It's front-facing speakers face directly to you and it does support Snapdragon sound, so better audio quality. I don't think they said anything about uh, Bluetooth LE, but at least with traditional Bluetooth, uh, we should be able to at least expect, you know, lossless audio, better audio performance when you're listening to content and gaming. We, you know, reduced latency when you're playing games is also one of the biggest things for Snapdragon Sound that they were talking about. But I, I yeah, I, I'm with you, Andrew. Definitely very, very nice. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, so Sarvan's actually saying the bad thing with Android is that hardware is so damn good, software can't match it, and it's struggled. Optimizations of software is is an important on Android like iOS. Uh, no, no, absolutely. I think it's it's basically part of the concerns that were the issues that we've had, really, right? It, it's a different version of Android because it's skinned differently on every device that you pick up. Google used to be referred to, or the Pixel line used to be referred to as the stock Android experience. But keep in mind, that's still somewhat of a small, like a lighter skin on top of AOSP Android, which essentially is the true vanilla version of Android, which still exists. Now with Material U, even Google has more of a distinctive look to actually differentiate themselves more. I'm still interested to see how does Android 12 actually translate over on, on Sony devices, since Sony typically doesn't really modify much over what Pixel used to divide. They, they provide us obviously some optimizations, but the looks of the device look and run still pretty much the same experience. So we'll have to see. Uh, let me see here. Uh, da, da, da. Have you heard anything about the HMD statement on the Nokia 9 peer review rega uh, uh, regarding dates? Unfortunately, no, unfortunately, uh, not yet. And I haven't actually been digging too much into the Nokia 9, but I'll have to see if I can find out some more information on that one. Uh, but no, uh, not yet on that one. Uh, yeah, I figured it was saying updates. Uh, Tech for your needs, hey man, hope you're doing well. Mad, uh, sign mounted the rear. 
sound edit and rear minute mount, uh, mounted <laughs> button shouldn't it should be better than yeah no absolutely i feel like buttons are always going to be a much better experience uh, again i realize that sign mounting may not be for everybody but it's kind of the same thing where like you know, some people like the back sense the fingerprint sensor on the back and some people enjoy it on the front it's just that when it, with a front facing the front fingerprint sensor it's something to keep in mind that it, there's so many technologies available there and you always have it under the display so ultrasonic uh, be it uh, you know uh, basically just normal again the it's going to be a different experience on every device i feel like side mounted ones are much faster uh, like with the s20 no that's the s10 series they released the s10 plus and the s10 uh, uh, the uh, the s10 plus and the uh, the uh, uh, i don't want to call it the s10 ultra the plus the, the two higher models of the S10 had a in-display fingerprint sensor, but the S10e did a much better job because it had the side-mounted fingerprint sensor. And I feel like Sony's doing it right. Uh, oh, sorry here. Then, let me see here. Um, good. The Android Bay, do you think uh, Tensor chips will be uh, s uh, sustained by Google in further phones, or would they run back to Qualcomm since their new gen uh, seems really promising? So... I think the direction that Google did was a very specific direction right now. They're hitting their higher-end air market. Keep in mind, in the same year, even though we had the Tensor uh, on the 6 and the 6 Pro, we didn't have it on the 5, uh, on the 5A, not the 5A, uh, you know, the, the 5 Series still had Qualcomm. The reality is we don't know if Google's going to try to bring in, you know, more of a mid-tier to low-budget end. So I think that relationship isn't entirely severed. But what we're seeing right now is, I think Google's approach to saying, we want to control the conversation entirely. The way they did it and the success and the excitement that they got around Tensor definitely makes me believe that it's going to be continuing and it's going to be something that they can use with the next generation of the, uh, the processors. So the Pixel 7, the 7 Pro, more than likely will feature Tensor. Are they going to be able to provide us with a Tensor uh, approach that is more mid-range processing level? That's going to be something that we'll see how 2022 does. There's a good chance that that will be the year for them to experiment, but we want them to keep improving. We want them to keep providing as a better experience and uh, maybe better optimizations by year two in 2022 with Tensor. If they're able to provide us this now, we'll be able to see that hopefully next year. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, how does it compare to the Dimensity 7000? <laughs> There's no 7000. Okay, so Jimmy Fire Dragon, I think what he meant to say is uh, the 9000 and the 900 and the Exynos 2100. Um, right now, I can say this. Dimensity 9000 still doesn't exist. On paper, we're able to basically make some draws and conversations. And I'll try to address that in my comparison or in my benchmarking video that I'm going to push out for you guys. There are certain things I cannot talk about specifically, but I can tell you right now, uh, it's exciting to see MediaTek step up to the flagship game, and it's also exciting to see that Qualcomm is still going to push more features into their SOCs, uh, and I just want them to be able to give us better experiences and help provide a better thermal management story so that OEMs are able to basically start working and have better experiences. They've gone through a year with the 888. We want to get a better experience with the HN1. So we'll see. Uh, hey, TK, how's... <laughs> so... Uh, Matt, I, thank you. Uh, the trip has been actually interesting. It's been, I, I'm not going to lie, I was very worried and stressed coming in, uh, mostly because this is the first year I'm doing this on my own, right? I'm coming in, I have both the Arabic, the English channel, there's a lot of good uh, creators, a lot of good help, and Qualcomm was definitely very gracious to allow me to be part of the show. Um, the venue was definitely very nice, beautiful weather, with the exception of today, I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, it's been good and uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And um, I know you guys have been following and seeing all the stuff I've been posting. It's, 
It's fun being able to go to events and be part of the conversation again. Virtual is absolutely great, but there is so much more you could do when you're in person. Those behind the scene conversations and all of the different things going on are definitely much more appreciated, at least from companies and for creators. So I'm looking forward to CES in another month or so. So I'm definitely looking forward to see what they offer. I'm hoping things kind of continue uh, going forward. Sorry, uh, my new shirt has a running string. And then we'll have to see how that goes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. But last couple of ones, MediaTek and Qualcomm have been great, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm back here now. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> Matt Tyler. Uh, everybody say thanks thanks to Matt for uh, being one of our big moderators himself and Aditya, of course. Um, and, and I haven't seen Aditya yet, so hopefully he's doing well. Let me see here. Davin Davis is in there. Hey, man, hope you're doing well. Um, Sony doesn't care about, uh, <laughs> about front-facing cam. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, let's bring Davin up. But, um, Sony doesn't care about the front-facing cam. Um, the cam, it's the same way as Apple. Don't care about right now, right? You know, it's the right, right to repair conversation could be even a whole podcast itself. Yeah, no, seriously. I think ser the, the, uh, when you think of a Sony right now, at least now in nowadays, the next generations that are coming up, understand that this is purely controlled by their camera division, the Sony Alpha department. Sony cameras do not have front-facing cameras. It's pretty much a one-way direction. So I think at the end of the day, if we have this, the accessory that we saw with the Pro-Eye come, come to more devices, I think that's going to be the best experience. I think Sony needs to start be, uh, not beefing up, but essentially you know, building the ecosystem around their smartphones to have better accessories, because I think that's the biggest thing with Sony devices. We always have to accessorize it. For the One Mark III and any earlier generation prior to that, I've always had to use external 4K displays. It's like a $300 display that I don't think everybody's going to want to buy for their device. Also, it's a massive display with a massive Canon battery that's sitting on the back, not functional for a run, you know, run and gun type of experience. The one that I saw here on the Xperia Pro-I, so again, Mr. Fisher, Michael, uh, Michael Fisher here, uh, it is nice, it's sleek, it's small. One cable goes from the Xperia Pro-I straight into the display and it powers it and it runs everything there from, from there and you're able to control everything. It's not a touch screen, but it's still very functional for me because you're using the grip. I don't know if I, I showed it to you guys in the videos that I pushed out, the Bluetooth grip that we have in there that works with the ZV-1 and the E10 and it allows it to be part of the experience. So you're able to actually control, you know, taking pictures, zooming in, zooming out, and recording video just from the grip, or even changing modes, like switching between different cameras. Just everything is functional there, and I feel like it's the right thing to do. I just want that on other devices. So we'll see there. Um, Davin Dave is in there. Uh, does the Gen 1 uh, bring back AV1 support? So if you so unfortunately did not hear a single word uh, about AV1 support in the announcement or at least in the, in the details that I saw in there. Right now, the way I see it, I think MediaTek is the only one pushing forward going in with that. Um, and I'm, I'm almost tempted to, to say that it's going to be an experience that if you're looking forward, you're actually going to be gravitating towards MediaTek at least next year. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, I think at some point it's going to be, um, it, 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 I, I feel like it would be really weird for Qualcomm not to support it, being that it is going to be the, uh, the standard. So I think for the most part, I think we'll hopefully see it. But right now, uh, I did not see any AV1 support on the Qualcomm, uh, at least on all the paperwork that I have seen. But I can reach back to them and see if they've changed. If there's been uh, more statements that maybe I missed it somewhere. Uh, ta -ta -ta. What do you think of the Snapdragon 765 for these days, 5G uh, compared to the actual SO to the actual SoC? Um, so the 765G has actually been proven quite well, right? We've seen it in multiple devices, and even in this year, we saw it again um, on the, uh, you know, Google still used it. 
I think as an SOC, it works great. It's capable of providing us much, like a very, like a vast variety of different experiences, even up to 4K 60 frames per second. But again, keep in mind, it's not intended to run as an A88 for the performance level. Um, is it going to be something that it will be beneficial to see in next year? So we'll have to see if, what the next generation from it is. More than likely, it's not going to be called the 765. Like I said, I think it's their moniker or their new architecture is going to be Snapdragon insert number of model. And I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to approach the variants of it because they typically provide us multiple versions of that device, right? So like a 765 and 780, 785, and then we had you know 740s prior to that. How are they going to approach the, the break-off versions? Are they going to be just in the gens? So we're going to just see a whole bunch of generations coming up? Or is it going to be in specific models? Uh, and we'll see how that goes from there. Um, oh, TK, the dinosaur that is the GAs, the G8 has the best of both worlds. Let's jump back. The, the, the best of both worlds. Uh, secure face unlock, rear fingerprint sensor. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, <laughs> the dinosaur. The G8 is not... Well, you're right. It's been a while. It's been on for a while. Um, I think, yeah, LG's approach on that one was definitely very good. But keep in mind that they, they did dump the, uh, the entire ecosystem on the front-facing experience right after the G8. I think the G8X may still continue on it. But then the G-Series kind of pretty much was the end. That was it, yeah, right? We moved over to the V-Series the next year, and then we had the Velvet, and then we had the Wing, and then unfortunately we kind of got to where we are this year. Um, I was really looking forward to uh, early in the beginning of the year to when they announced about the, the rollable, the different options that they were going to talk about. I was really looking forward to start having a much better conversation about LG in 2021. But it seems like, you know, they're still in the, in the tech industry. They're just more focusing on displays and different areas and audio. Uh, but mobile is, unfortunately, as you guys know, no more. Let's see what we have here. Da, da, da. Uh, I think it's not, I think he is not reading uh, live chat. No. <laughs> No, I, I am reading the live chat. It's just what happened because we get so many comments from different options. I'm going uh, in chronological order. So it's going order, older comments first to newer one. And I know the newer ones probably are sitting at the bottom. Um, and I know like, was it 9.32 here? And most of the comments I'm on right now are about 9.18. So about 12 minutes or so uh, behind the live chat time. Uh, but let me see here if we can, let's just jump a little bit for a Jimmy Fire uh, option here. Um, I do keep going back to my Pixel 4 XL as well for, uh, for yeah, absolutely. Dan, 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 you know, Dan, Dan's with me on this one. The Pixel 4 XL is definitely a nice, the look of it too. I don't know if you have the, the orange one, Dan. Definitely looks nice. Uh, let me see here. Da, da, da. TK, uh, will you be will you be doing a video on the One UI 4.0? So um, I downloaded the One UI 4.0 and I've had it for maybe about a week. So yeah, I'm, I'm about ready to start talking a little bit about it. Um, I will give you a little bit of a tidbit. Uh, it has not been as smooth of an upgrade for me as I felt like it should have been. And I'm a little bit on the fence if I may end up having to reset the phone after the update just to kind of see if everything kind of works out better. Uh, but it's definitely, yeah, it's available. Uh, Galaxy S21 Ultras, and I think the S21 series has it. And I think very soon we'll have the the, uh, the Fold 3 series will start having it, as well as the Flip. And I think that was the next approach. And it's supposed to be in this month. So if you have any of these devices, you should be able to have them. Um, I did not install the beta on uh, my main device. I installed it on the Fold. So I'm hoping to be able to see how that goes from there. Uh, let me see here. HMD is going to make uh, <laughs> make my <laughs> throw a brick at them. Uh, yeah, no, HMD is going to be very interesting going on. Um, I'm actually also interested to see what TCL also has to offer coming up in the next uh, in next year. Will they move up from the mid-ranger type of an experience? You know, kind of like the best better bank for the buck. Um, I also want to see what they have to to maybe talk about it at CES. Typically, that's where we start hearing about their you know their new devices. Last year, they announced the 6 Series. I didn't believe it was a great as good as it was. And once we got the TCL 6 Series TV at the house, 
it's been a game changer. So absolutely one of the best experience. Can you whisper it? Uh, can you whisper it uh, to use TK as well? <laughs> I wish. I wish I can share some of that information. Honestly, it'll be very soon. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really the the conversation in um, as far as you know talking about the Snapdragon. It's going to be a little bit different, uh, and I'm hoping not to make it too long of a video. But I feel like I have certain things. We're going to talk numbers. We're going to talk performance. But I also want to talk to you guys a little bit about my experience of going through that as well. So we'll see how that goes as well. Uh, uh, da, da, da. Yeah, let me see here. Let's do that here. Okay, so then Xperia One Mark Four, uh, One Mark Four can literally wipe Samsung <laughs> next year. I think Sony's approach is very different. They're profitable now on their mobile space, and I think that's the biggest difference here, right? Their approach and what they're doing is definitely more towards uh, making it profitable, making a better story, and giving people a better opportunity to work with the hardware. What we have now and what we're seeing now, though, is that they're not trying to gun for bigger companies. They're just trying to do what they do best. They're focused on their niche market and they know that their consumers love it. Asia or China has been basically their biggest market there. And you saw how they're shifting their approach and release cycle to go China first, Europe second, US third. So this is the, the, the focus that they have. And I think at the end of the day, we need to appreciate that at least they're focusing on what they're doing and they're not forgetting about the markets. In the US, we have two colors for the Xperia 1 Mark III, which is first to start with, but we still got an unencumbered full experience of Sony on that device in the US, although a little bit later, but we still got it and it's optimized with 5G at this point in the US. So it's really nice. So of course, everything is gonna be interesting. Um, Golan Lavi's jumping in here. TK, I use Oppo and OnePlus devices in all series, and uh, and I must note that with the Dimensity processors, there are no overheat crashes or everything works smoothly. The Snapdragon 888 is warming up. So yes, the Dimensity 1200 and the 1100, we've seen many devices use them. So Reno's, Oppo, uh, you know, Nord's have used them before. I'm looking forward to seeing what OnePlus does actually do and Oppo do, do with the Dimensity 9000. They're one of the companies that I feel like will benefit the most out of it because they are going to give you different flavors. They also release a little bit more devices a year than what we see from like a Samsung or let's say an Apple. Not to say Apple is gonna be part of the conversation. So um, yes, absolutely great. Some of the limitations that I think we probably will wanna see how the Dimensity 9000 bring us a little bit better improvements is obviously better codec or better support for higher frame rates and uh, as well as you know like 4K 60 frames per second maybe better also support on the front facing camera experience. 8K, I think it's a very finicky experience yet. It's not that it's not functional. It's just I feel like it's not shareable. When you shoot something in 8K, let's say 8K HDR and whatever the content that you're shooting with, and you're sending it to somebody, you're not sending them the native file. You're going to send them a compressed version of that file. And whatever they're getting is not going to be the same experience. So it makes it a little bit more... Like the question is, would you want to shoot in 8K and fill up your storage right away, um, or you know basically still use 4K 60? I think as a better frame, as a better uh, medium uh, with the H.264, as opposed to even if you want to switch over to H.265 for better optimization, smaller format, uh, file format. It's I think that's the better medium. Shoot everything in 4K 60 if you can. 4K 30 would be still good. And I think that's what I want to see from the Men's 9000. Just give us more flexibility. And of course, they're supporting the X2, the Cortex-X2 uh, architecture. So we're going to be able to see 18-bit uh, image processing with the triple ISPs. Can they do the same thing, the triple ISP recording at the same time? It, you know, if, if I have to just look at the papers and the specs, obviously it would make sense. But it's also going to be something that, you know, Qualcomm, sorry, Dimensity, uh, you know, um, MediaTek and OEMs decide to do. 
depending on the experience, everything's gonna be tailored. And again, this is the exciting part. We get to see a sneak peek of what 2022 is offering, but we still need to see the hardware. So let me see what we have here. Uh, da, da, da. Okay, let me see here. Let me, okay, I'm gonna jump over, I'm gonna try to jump a couple, a couple of things in here just to kind of get us somewhat relevant. Uh, S-Pen back right-hand side. Okay, okay. So I see that Dominic is jumping back. Uh, so Biffy's in there, CES. Um, uh, let me see here. Oops, sorry, I didn't mean to touch the microphone there. I just want, to, I just want more tablet optimizations for, uh, for the Fold. Absolutely. I think Samsung needs to give us better optimization. They need to improve the experience and treat it like an experience as it's supposed to be. Now, 12L is supposed to give us a little bit more better optimizations for tablets, but again, or that form factor, I'm not sure if uh, Samsung's gonna implement that uh, and give us that much benefit here on, on the, with those. May, uh, CES, maybe, just maybe I'll be there. <laughs> Matt, dude, if you're there, we're gonna, we'll, we'll rock the whole thing. That's gonna be the best way. Um, always, always gonna be the best experience. Uh, let me see here, da, 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 TK, okay. So Dominic's jumping back here. Um, Asia has a has the purple and the green color four for the Xperia 1 Mark III. Uh, it looks like Sony is focusing more on Asia, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the biggest things that we saw that absolutely where we saw all of that content and all everything kind of showing up in the uh, in the Chinese markets. But again, I think to a certain point, and I'm not sure if this is true, but you guys can let me know. I feel like in the Asian market, the Sony brand is still being used as a flex, right? Having a Sony smartphone, something to that, uh, that powered by Sony, well, I guess it's a Sony smartphone in its entirety, it's now unique. You know that if you're walking around, you see somebody holding an Xperia, you know that's an Xperia. There's no other phone that still looks that thin and with that architecture on the back that gives us the same experience. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. But yeah, China's first, everybody kind of follows, but you know, I don't think they're forgetting everybody. It's just, I wish we were just on the same timetable. But keep in mind also that they produce content or at least devices in a much smaller batch based on projected sales. So the US gets a smaller batch, the U European market gets a little bit bigger batch because there's a little bit more variations there. But again, it's all on word of mouth experiences and content creators like myself and Quan that cover Sony devices are very passionate about them. So the One Mark III definitely came with me and again, you know exactly how it is. The One Mark II carried me over to the One Mark III and there's the, the experience just in gaming alone so I would love to see a gaming rig, like something powered with a G3X from Sony in 2022, because I feel like they have so much power and so much influence over the display technology that I don't think anybody else can touch them. Like putting out a 4K 120 hertz gaming rig with the controls and the G3X powered with better cooling and faster charging, it's gonna be crazy. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, let me see here, Davin Davis. Um, you know what, uh, what criticism of Sony I do have? Actually, I really, I really wish uh, they had ch a change lock actually <laughs> indicating fixes. Yeah, they're they're a little bit almost as uh, as ambiguous as what Samsung puts out with the bug fixes and uh, software improvements every single time they push out an update. It's it's crazy. I, we need better change locks. We need to know what changed, right? At the end of the day, it's not hard. They know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. It's in their change log. It just they choose not to put all of that in there. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, we need a 12L on the Duo 2. Yes, same, I, I, I'm totally with you, uh, Sam. Uh, I think that's partially what the main benefits are going to be there. We're seeing more devices using that, uh, that, that, that function. I mean, Oppo released a rollable phone. Uh, TCL teased one, we haven't seen one yet, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to see it. Obviously we have the Fold, uh, we know have Xiaomi has one, we know Huawei has one. 
the medium is growing and we have more options in 2021 than we had in 2020. So you can only imagine what 2022 is going to be. We know there's going to be a foldable, obviously, yeah, not saying that, you know, the flip, but more of a large form factor foldable. And we're going to see probably even more players uh, jump in into the game. I wouldn't be surprised if other companies come in, you know, if Opal comes out with a second generation or even maybe releases uh, the 2021, uh, I think it's the Oppo X 2021 as an actual device. Because it was actually in uh, the way it's been marketed or everything, it's been basically just as a, a test demo. So people had it, uh, access to it through their PR context, but it was never available in the store. So I want to see some of those options and I want to see the benefit of three years of hardware and software optimizations. But 12L will be the one that we get there from there. At least we'll start from there. Uh, I picked up a, uh, a, uh, a mirror gray Xperia 1 Mark II for 100 pounds from a friend. What? <laughs> that was, okay, that is, it. so if I'm not mistaken, I think I want to say the mirror gray, I think you told me, uh, Matt, that was, um, I think, it was on, on E or on um, uh, on three. Uh, did I say E? Yeah, it's on. Uh, it's it was either on three. It's one of the carrier versions, right? Because I think you sent me a picture of that a while back, and yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, let me see here, Matt Tyler. Nice. Okay, I'm somewhat at the end of the 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 the, the, the stream of questions. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the other options as well. So the eight, the the G3X. Hopefully, and I really need that to happen, I am going to be bugging Qualcomm as much as possible to try to find out who is going to be working at it to, to start looking at hardware. I'm hoping CES will have some hardware for us to also look at. Look at. I w it would not be surprising for me to see this, um, I guess, this development kit at the, the Razer booth on the show floor. So I want to be able to go check it out and see what they've done and what improvements it would have had maybe received since the time I've seen it here in the last couple of days. Uh, but I do want to see more devices like that on the market, better emulation support, better hardware, and of course, uh, better experiences. Taking it away from the phone and having to provide a phone that does everything at that gaming experience, but still hold a normal phone device uh, experience uh, out. Just showcase it and hopefully the main benefits from the G G3X will bounce back to the standard uh, 8 series or whatever other generation of SoCs that we're looking at. The 8C, and I meant to say the G3X, not the 8CX, because I'm going to talk about the 8CX now. So the ATX is um, it's definitely an improvement. Gen 3 is coming out. Mobile computing, always on connected, ARM-based uh, computing, uh, running Windows 10 and Windows 11, more than likely Windows 11. Um, it's a little bit of a mixed story right now. I'm excited to see that they're pro uh, pro you know, progressing and providing us better optimizations, better power con uh, management. But at the end of the day, it's also kind of something we talked about on Thursday with Juan and, and Josh. It's not something that we have 100% you know, full trust that this is going to run exactly like an x86 experience. What you're looking at and what you're seeing there is still somewhat of a, uh, com a combined experience emulation on certain apps. If you want to not, if, if not, well, if your app is not supported, but at the end, what is it going to be? What, how long is it going to go for us to be able to get that somewhere where Apple is doing the amazing job of being able to print out, give us an M series uh, experience that is mirrored by the Intel experience they had before. You pick up a MacBook Pro that you had in Intel and you run it on an M series, it's not going to feel different. Actually, it's going to feel much better and better performance. And I think that's what ARM is trying to do for us. They're really trying to optimize the experience to give us that better experience on mobile with the optimizations of ARM being low power consuming as well as longer battery life. So those are the things that we need to approach. And I feel like we're getting there, but we're, you know, like maybe a little bit more, like almost a little bit more to kind of get the conversation going. So that's my hope for the 8CX. The G3X, absolutely gonna be a great experience, and I'm pretty sure whomever releases the first device is gonna sell out like hotcakes. 
because if the Steam Deck did as well as it did, where it's trying to bring us desktop experience games on a mobile experience, but they got pushed back a little bit, think of what a mobile device that is intended to be in a smartphone, but again, upgraded and running dedicated hardware for better cooling, charging, and all of that stuff can do for us on Android. Because at the end of the day, I think Android as an ecosystem has become so so flexible that we can actually use it and optimize the experiences. And also supports, by the, by the way, 4K 60 frames uh, video output with an HDMI. So playing video games like this and hooking it up to, like say, a large TV, a 45 or a 50 inch TV, it's just gonna change the experience absolutely to a much better experience. You have controllers, everything stays the same, it's familiar, and it's mobile, and it's always on connected as well. So yeah, definitely very, very nice. Um, Gary's back, thank you. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing great. Um, but yeah, so I think that was the biggest thing for me, obviously, as you saw, not much else kind of got posted on the channel or any of the socials this week other than that. I did get a chance to play a little bit with a Leica One camera. This is a UK-based camera that was, and actually I think Japan as well, it's just Japanese. The device I had had some Japanese on it. Um, I'm very surprised to see what a Leica, what a Leica camera can do and uh, the, uh, the approach of Leica Science on a camera, on a specific device. It was a single camera device on the back, very different than what we're used to seeing when it comes to hardware. Uh, it has a magnetic clamp on the top of it and it really felt like very much like a unique experience. Um, took some pictures of it. Uh, I took some pictures of uh, the Tom, the tech chap, if you guys, I'm sure you guys know him. Uh, John Rettinger from John Rettinger as well. Uh, and everybody really enjoyed the content from it. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to spend with it other than maybe about 10 minutes or so. I got my pictures off of it. So I think I'll, you know, I'll do that. I'll post those pictures um, as soon as the live stream is over. I'll share those with you guys. And of course, it's going to be good. Uh, I'm actually came to the office today. Oh, yeah. Uh, by by watching the Disney Plus documentary uh, on the Beatles tonight. Nice, nice. Um, so with that being said, I do want to kind of, I know we're kind of at an hour and 12 minutes, roughly around the time. So um I'm actually interested to see how we're going to be able to do the TK-ception. I do have a second display, so we'll see if we'll be able to do it there. Uh, so we're about to start doing the, the TK-ception in the show. Obviously, that's not going to go away. Starting next week, the show is going to be rebranded as the Android Bay. So it's going to be episode 100 is basically going to be episode 1 per se for the Android Bay. And then we're going to go forward from there. And it is going to be hosted on the other channel. Um, I'm going to try my best to keep it at least you know advertise or push out to everybody and let everybody know where the channel is and i'm hoping by then if we do reach 100 subscribers we'll have the better name on it which is i think this is the goal i'm trying to get it there um my the home for the podcast is mostly just so that it as you guys know juan did that as well uh he's using twitch i chose to kind of keep it as a separate channel and just let it grow on its own and it's still actually going to still uh, be producing content over on twitch as well i'm not sure if going to change if i'm changing the twitch channel to be the android bay we're just going to stay as tk bay um, but I will say this, uh, everything that's been going on this week and the, uh, two weeks ago with the uh, announcement of MediaTek is indicating a lot of improvements from both companies in the SOC market. And the involvement and the commitments from companies that we're going to start to see, like Xiaomi again, was on stage with Qualcomm. Um, at the event with MediaTek, I had Xiaomi, Oppo, OnePlus uh, devices, Vivo devices all sitting at the table there. So there's indication of what companies are going to be playing this game, what they're going to be doing. I still think MediaTek has a good opportunity to prove themselves, but it's a good start for them to jump in into the flagship experience because again, more competition provides us better experiences as a consumer. And that's the big thing at the end of the day. Um, Google's presence at the, uh, at the event this week also kind of showcased that they're still working with them. I don't think, the, I don't think Google's totally leaving the, the, the Qualcomm conversation. I think it's just gonna be depending on the device that you're picking up. 
as Tensor gets better, we're going to see better implementations and better software optimizations for them. And as, as we see, hopefully, what, what Samsung's going to do, is there really going to be a situation where Samsung releases everything on Exynos and there's no more Qualcomm? Hard to tell, but I find it's also to be very hard to, to be a story that they go with. But at least on the Gen and the 8 Gen 1, I'm excited to see what they develop, deliver. And the Dimensity 9000 will also be something I want to talk. Oops, sorry. I want to see what we do there, from uh, where we go for, from there. Um, it's the sharp model. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It'll, it'll always be there. So um, do me a favor, start dropping in those uh, hashtag TKceptions in there in the comments. And what we're going to try to do also as well next week is going to be that first episode on the Android Bay, but that's going to be also the week I announced the giveaway. I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to do it uh, in, a, in a sense. If, should I offer up a device or should I offer to cover a device in the market that the person is there? Because I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to make it a better experience for you so that I can save some money on shipping, which I can put back into the price of the phone. So um, let me know. Think about it this way, and we'll talk about it next week. But yes, the announcement for the giveaway in the new episode of Android Bay will be next week, uh, starting with the first episode there. So the new channel hopefully will have enough subscribers and we'll be able to get it, uh, its own, the Android Bay uh, uh, moniker going on in there. Um, but yeah, I'm here for another day or so, uh, and you know, obviously going back. Hopefully the rain is stopping, so we'll be able to get to enjoy a little bit here. I hope you guys have the good, re really nice rest of the weekend. Rest, enjoy, and get ready for the next week. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, uh, let me see if we can set it up here. I think it's, <laughs> let me see. I think the comments in here are running a little bit. So here, Davin Davis, jumping in, in there with TKception, TK, TK Rebrand Bay. Uh, as always, uh, let me just jump in here. I'll bring it over. It should work. I think it'll work, but we'll see. Uh, the ah, You know what? Actually, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Okay, sorry. I'm actually going to do it slightly different because the, the secondary display that I have here is not uh, optimized right. Because the, the, Yeah, so this one's going to be good. So we're going to say share. We're going to say share screen. And here, let's do this. One, two, three. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I was off on that one. I was off on that one by, by a little bit. So David Davis, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uh, Michael Berry as well. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and Greg, as always, thank you very much. Big fan, big big supporter of the channel. Uh, Dominic Juan, always, always kicking it with us. TKception, TK, uh, so TK Android Bay, TK Qualcomm Bay, and Super Saiyan Bay. I couldn't find my shirt. It's like, eh. okay. Um, at TK, last episode of the Saturday morning with tech, as he's mentioning, and hopefully starting next week, it'll be the Android Bay. Again, continue with the same conversation. It's pretty much just a rebranding. Um, and for the lack of a better word, better, better searchability. I'm hoping to find and maybe allowing the conversation to even expand with more and more people to be able to find us easily on, on the socials. Uh, Matt Tyler, the man, the myth himself, God of, uh, Call of Duty, God War at that point, uh, <laughs> me on Android Bay. Um, uh, the big thing I would probably see, oh, mod me on Android Bay. Absolutely, man, for sure. I forgot about that one. You're right. I need to set you up, set Aditya as well. And Aditya, hey, Aditya is with us. Um, so yeah, for sure, I'll set that up uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll put that in there. Chemi Torres, always, always, thank you. Gracias, mi amigo. Uh, Aditya, the man, the Mr. Cumberbatch of our channel, I will always say that. The TKception, TK Making Connections Bay, always, always. Um, so many good, like the behind the scenes stuff is the best part of this event. I'll say that, absolutely. Um, connecting with people, meeting up with people, re reconnecting with people was the best part as well. And Josh and I got a chance to hang out a little bit too. So as you guys saw, he jumped in on the live stream with uh, Juan and I. Unfortunately, he's already left. That's why he's not on the show here. Otherwise, I would have totally invited him. Uh, but for sure, for sure, kicking it with us. Marilyn, thank you very much. Aditya, Gary the Fireman, Finn Jacobs as well. 
Um, as always, uh, TK, <laughs> uh, the Androidception, the TKception as well. Uh, Greg, as always, again, thank you very much for all of the support every single time, every single show. Um, the reason why we're doing this show and this live stream, even when I'm remote, even when I'm traveling at events, I don't want to stop it. I feel like it's a great way for us to have a conversation on a Saturday and, you know, just have fun. So with that being said, be safe, stay safe, take care of yourself. And uh, I'll see you guys hopefully in the comments as well on Monday with the SGGQA back on the night, another good, well, another episode of the best of our week on Thursday. And of course, on the Android Bay next week. Um, and it's, it's been definitely an exciting week. Okay. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next week.